0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: I'm going to ask you a few questions this morning. I want you to think for a moment, Okay. Some of you have been walking with Jesus a long time. Some of you have just entered into that relationship. Some of you have renewed that relationship with Christ. And you can remember a time when that relationship was very vibrant, would be a word, very meaningful, very real to you, where you sensed God blessing you working your and when i say blessing you i I want you to forget what the tv says where your wallet is growing that that's that's false teaching on the tv i'm not talking about god's blessing like that but i'm I'm talking about where you sensed very very much that god was a part of your life and then something happened And all you have right now are memories of what it used to be. Do you know what I'm talking about? You don't need to respond. I'm not interested in knowing if this is where you're at or not. Because I have a feeling this is where a lot of us are at. And so you wonder to yourself, how do I get back there? In fact, kind of raise those questions. Books are written. How to get back there? How to get back to that relationship with the Lord where you sense his presence in your life? where you sense his presence in our church? How do we get back there? In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today. And the faith lessons that we're going to see today in the passage have to do with the people who are longing for God's presence in their midst again. Can you relate to that? Where you long for that vibrancy of faith? That relationship with God where it was so real. And then what they had to do to get back there. What they had to do to get back there. And so that's what we're going to talk about, is about getting back to the right place. And so this is for you and this is for me. Because what we want is the presence of God in our life. Now, when I say that, i got to qualify that. I hate i hate the fact that i got to qualify so many things today. But I have to qualify it because we're so influenced by the TV. So when, when you talk about the presence of God in your life, people automatically mean that means something weird is going to happen to me. I'm going to to crawl around like a dog or perch on the pew like an eagle and swoop down. No, I'm not talking about that at all. In fact, you're not going to see that in the Bible when you talk about the presence of God being in their midst. You talk about God being there with you, but you knew God was with you, and you look forward to that relationship with him, but something changed. Now, how do we get back? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this passage. So it's 17 verses. We're going to take it a little bit at a time. And we're going to focus on some things here to help us to see how we need to get back to the right place. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, the void. Because I think we can relate to that. The void, where we're not sensing his presence in our midst anymore. Look with me at verses 1 to 2. Here's what the writer writes. Then the men of Kirjath-Jarim came and took the Ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Benadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the Ark of the Lord. So it was that when the Ark remained in Kirjath-Jarim a long time, it was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented After the Lord. I want you to focus on that last sentence. All of the house of Israel lamented the Lord. Now, what's going on here? So here, let me help you understand what's happening. Remember, they tried to do it on their own. They brought the Ark of the Covenant to, quote, defeat the enemies, but the enemies beat them because they had their, they had a misunderstanding of who God and how He worked. So the the Ark was taken by the Philistines. God wreaked havoc on the Philistines, so they sent it back to Israel. Going back to Israel, they didn't know how to handle it. Some of them got killed. Ends up in this fellow's house. But it's no longer where it should be in the tabernacle. No longer in the center of their lives. And what was significant about the ark is not that it was God, but that it represented the presence of God in their midst. And so what happens is is the presence of God has not been there. In fact, it says that it was in this guy's house for 20 years. Scholars believe it may have been in his house for 20 years, but it hadn't been a part of their lives, are you ready for this, for a 100 years. a 100 years without the presence of God in their midst. And so the people are lamenting. Now what's lament? Lament is a crying out. It's an intense pain for something. So they are intensely painful for the presence of God back in their lives. Now, here's two things I want you to see here. Number one, the presence of God was not evident in their lives. I mean, they're just going... Even if the tabernacle was still being used, still existing there... In the midst of the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, there was something missing from there. That's the the most holy, that is the Ark of the Covenant. That's where the priest goes in, what, to once a year make atonement for the sins of the nation. So the very presence of God was missing from their lives. Can you relate to that? Because here's the sad thing about Christianity. It's easy to have church without the presence of God. Did you know that? It's easy to go through the motions of going to church without the presence of God. In fact, there's a lot of churches like that. There's a lot of churches where you can sing and really enjoy the singing and you can hear preaching and really enjoy the preaching but God never be there. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's, that's really a scary thing for us as a church. God, may we never get to the place where all we do is we come and we sing and we give and we serve and we listen but you're not there. But that's the reality. The reality is, is that you can be just going through the motions in your life, but never really know that God's presence is in your life. Oh, you've got memories, and some of you have very vivid memories of when you first came to Jesus and how real He was to you, and that sense of forgiveness in your life, and 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 you long for that time, that simple time in your life when you were so trusting in Jesus but it's not there anymore. Other things choked it out. It's not evident. In fact, here's the second thing I want you to see. That I hope this is true for your life. It was true for them. They longed for God's presence. They lamented for it. That's, I, I couldn't find the right word when I was writing this down because long doesn't, doesn't even begin to, to suggest, like, you know what, I long for a sweet tea, but that's not intense. Do you know what I'm saying? But this is not the kind of long that I'm talking about here. I'm I'm talking about an intensity of heart where if they don't have it, they're going to die. That's lamenting. Because the pain of the absence of God is so real in their lives. Is that you? I mean, think about it for a moment, okay? I want you to process it with me. You know, in the last year or so, I've mentioned this several times in different messages, and, and I, I, I want to mention it again. You know what? If you truly know the Lord, if you know him and you're saved and you truly know him, there there is within you a desire for something more. Do you know what I'm talking about? A desire for something more. And, and sometimes church doesn't meet that desire. And by the way, it's not going to. And no matter the spiritual activity or the Bible study you go to, or whatever we got going on here at the church, or or going to some Christian concert, you know, you can go to that and you can walk out of there and still be like, man, there's got to be something more. It's gotta be something more. You know what I'm talking about? There's gotta be something more from spirituality. There's gotta be something more from my relationship with Jesus. And you want something more. And and it's like, I gotta have it. I don't, I I don't know if I can go on. And some folks, I'll be honest with you, give up wanting to know how to figure it out because they, they feel like it's not attainable. And they long for God's presence in their life. That's what's going on here with Israel. Israel is longing once again for the presence of God to be real in their lives. Oh, they've heard the stories of when God did mighty things, but they're not seeing it. And, and you can, you know, what I'm talking. You can relate to that, right? You've heard the stories. I mean, you you remember the testimonies of what God did in your life, or how God worked in your grandma's life, or in your friend's life, and you're like, well, why am I seeing that now? Why why don't I see God working in that way in my life right now? And you long for it. Do do you know what I'm saying? Can can I ask a question? Don't you long for something more than just church? I mean, you know Jesus. Don't you long for knowing him in a wonderful way in your life? you got to ask yourself that question. Say, okay, George. Thanks for storing that up. Because I got it under control with the disappointment Because here's the problem, George. I don't know what to do about it. Isn't it wonderful that God's word tells us what to do? Because here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the call. We're just going to see it in verses 3 through 6. So here's Samuel. He knows. He's a prophet now. Remember Samuel? Given to the Lord. Served with Eli. This is 20 years later. He's now a prophet. Everybody knows he hears from God. And here's what he says to the people. Here's the call. They're going to see five things here that will help you and I. Five things that will help you and I to figure out how to get back to the right place. Because that's what we want to do, right? We want to get back to the right place where we need to be. We want to get back to the right place. So what do we got to do? Here it is. Look with me at verse 3. Then Samuel spoke to all of the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts... Then put away the foreign gods and the Asheroths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Asheroths and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And they gathered together at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted day and night and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. five things I want to bring out here. Five things. We're going to look at these as we go through each one of these verses. Here's the first one. Returning to the Lord... Always requires a change. Returning to the Lord always requires a change. Now, here's the thing I need you to grasp. Alright? So, I've been telling you they're longing for the presence, right? You're longing for the presence of God in your life again. Now, here's what the assumption is. The assumption is, is that God left me. God left me. I want him to be in my life. God left me. That's wrong assumption. You believe in a lie. Because the fact of the matter is, God doesn't leave you. What did he say? I will never leave you. Do you understand? God doesn't leave you. He gave you the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, to seal you for the day of your redemption. Holy Spirit's within you. The reason why you're not sensing the Lord anymore is because you're doing what the New Testament says. You're grieving him. You're quenching him. Do you know what I'm saying? You've silenced him in your life. If anyone's left, it's not him, it's who? You. So the first thing I want you to see is, is that we've got to understand that we've got to return to the Lord. Now, if I'm going to return to the Lord, you've got to recognize that it's saying to me in this passage that it's always going to require a change on my part. Look at what he says here in verse 3. Samuel spoke, saying, if you return to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods. It's going to require something from you. See, that's where we separate those who want it from those who are just giving it lip service. I think we all want the presence of God in our life, right? Yeah, but the question is, how bad do you want the presence of God in your life? Are you willing to change to have the presence of God in your life again? Are you willing to change and do whatever he tells you to do? Change whatever it is that he's pointing out in your life? So let me just go ahead and say that. He's going to point out to each of you something different in your life that you need to change. Because for each one of us, it's something different that's keeping us from him, that made us leave him. So the fact is, returning to the Lord means I need to understand it's going to require a change on my part. It's going to require something that needs to change. All right? Here's the second thing. They had to get rid of the substitutes for God. Here, specifically, it's false gods they mentioned. They mentioned Baal. Baal was a Canaanite god who was worshipped for centuries. There are actually still Baal worshippers to this day. It's a fertility god. Baal was the god of thunder, the god of rain in Canaanite culture. And so they would do whatever they would do to to ensure that, that their god, Baal, would provide rain. Kind of makes sense. You need a rain god when you're living in the desert, right? Asheroth was a pole, was a like a totem pole, but it was pretty gross, pretty suggestive in what it meant. It was, again, a fertility god. And so this is what They had involved themselves in worship. They were no longer trusting the God who would provide for them. Remember, God said to them in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy and Numbers that if you do what I tell you to do, you'll have rain. You will have produce. You will be fruitful. And they had to get rid of those substitutes. You say, okay, great, George. I want God's presence in my life, but I'm not worshiping Baal." Yeah, you're not worshiping Baal, but maybe you're worshiping your job. Or maybe you're worshiping your hobby. Or some of you maybe are worshiping your kids. What do you mean, worshiping my kids? Have you ever met somebody whose focus is their children beyond anything else? It's okay to have your focus for your kids. I'm a dad. We focus on our kids. But you can be consumed with your kids to a point that's not healthy. You can be consumed with everything. In fact, you can be consumed with everything to a point where God doesn't mean anything anymore. In fact, what you trust in isn't God. You trust in your wallet, your brain power, your resources, and your wisdom. Those are your gods. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's what we worship today in our secular society. We don't go bow down to some golden image or some weird, gross looking pole. We bow down to all these other things. And you have to ask yourself, because I don't know what it is in your life. I know what they are in my life. You gotta ask yourself, what are the false gods in my life that bring me, here's the word, that bring me security? You notice that? What are the false gods in my life that bring me security? Now, here's the problem. The problem is that our false gods are always going to be proven to be what? False gods. And the things that we rest our security in are always going to show us that we can't have security there. And that's when we get shaken is when our false gods don't provide us the security that we thought they would, right? Many times, if you're investing away, putting it away for retirement, you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is what I'm resting in when I retire, and then we have another market collapse, and, and your retirement is decreased by what, 50 or more percent, and you're like, where did it go? I'm there! It and it's like, where did it go? That's your God, isn't it? See, if you want to get serious about God being real in your life again, you gotta recognize, number one, returning to him is going to require a change, and the biggest change is, is you gotta get rid of the substitutes in your life for God. You gotta get rid of them. Here's the third thing I want you to see. They had to prepare their hearts. Now, this is one that completely we have lost total concept for. Partly, some of it is the way that we do our services, and that's okay. But part of it is is that we no longer instruct ourselves about preparing our hearts because what what, what it is is, you know, have you ever noticed that we, we live in such a fast paced, crazed culture we're constantly being bombarded and like, okay, I've got all this going on I got to, then I walk into a meeting and i got to handle that meeting and then I walk back in, i got all this stuff going on and even while I'm in a meeting, my minds are distracted, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that, and, and, and our hearts aren't prepared to hear him. That's what preparing your heart is. It's, it's quieting your soul, quieting who you are so that you can hear God speak to you. Do you know what I'm saying? We're no longer quiet. We're so busy and so distracted. My question to you is, and this is a good question for me, I, I used to be this way. I remember, I'd, okay, tomorrow I will be here 18 years officially. 18 years tomorrow as your pastor. Okay? So, okay, So and all those years are running into my mind together now. Somebody said, well, how long ago were they here? Oh, well, you know, I was just like yesterday. No, it wasn't. It was 15 years ago. Well, anyhow, but I can remember this. I can remember... That in my earlier years at the church here, I had the radio going all the time. All the time. Radio going all the time. And I would listen to listen to preachers and, and it'd just be constant noise going on. And, and I wouldn't even hear it. I mean it's not that it, I just had to have noise going. How many of you are like that? You guys gotta have noise going. The problem is I wasn't allowing myself to hear the one who I needed to hear. Do, do you know what I mean? Because, like, when you sit down to have an intimate conversation, so like when Lori and I sit down to talk, we turn on all the radios in the house wide open. No, because I'm going to tune out. Oh, there's that song. There's that, you know, and and not listen to her. Listen to me. You got to prepare your hearts. Quiet yourself. We're so hectic. We've got to prepare our hearts to receive something from Him again. That's what he's telling them. Prepare their hearts for the Lord because they're distracted by all the stuff that's going on in their life and their worship of their false gods and everything. Here's the next thing I want you to see. They have to choose to serve God only. So let me ask you a question. Who do you want more? Who do you want more in your life? Do you want God? Or your retirement? Do you want God? Or that perfect family. You want God? Or that perfect marriage? You want God? I could go on and on, right? And if you notice everything that I've been listing here, there is no perfect, right? There is no perfect marriages. There is no perfect family. There is no perfect job. There's nothing perfect. But we devote all of our time, and yet we're wondering, What's, why is there something missing from my life? Why, why do I sense this emptiness? Is because the only one who can truly bring the satisfaction to your soul is not your spouse, it's not your kids, it's not your job, it's not money. It's who? God. Jesus. And you've got to choose. Lord, you're the Lord of my life. And I want to serve you. They had to choose to serve God only. And then finally, one more thing here I want you to see. It's in verse 6. They fasted day and night and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. We have sinned against the Lord. Here's the final thing I want you to see as we talk about the call here. They had to confess their sin. Okay, so let me just break it down to you, okay? Okay. Remember I told you, God doesn't leave you. The issue is you need to return to him. Part of returning to him is, is you need to come to him and be honest. Be honest about what? Your sin. Because look, why do we think we go to God and say, God, forgive me, I sin? Well, we all sin. What are you talking about? No, you got to go to God and you got to be honest with him and say, God... I've been substituting this for you. God, I did what you saw me do. By the way, can I be honest with you? We say it's embarrassing, George. Yeah, but he knows. He was there with you when you did it. What do you mean? If you're a believer, who lives within you, folks? The Spirit of God. He was there. He's not sitting up to at all can't believe they just shared that with me. I didn't even know. Now he knows. Do you know what I'm saying? He knows. So you go. If you want to return to him, they had to confess. You and I have to go and confess our sin. That is, go and tell him. I didn't do right, Lord, in this area. I treated this person wrong. I, I I neglected you in my relationship with you. I I did this wrong, Lord. I did that wrong, Lord. You know I did this, and you know I'm struggling. I mean, you got to be honest. That's what it's required of you to get back to where you need to be. But there's one other thing I want to point out from this passage to you. We actually see it in verses seven through seventeen. I'm not going to read all of it to you. But I'm just going to read a few verses of it for you, so that you understand what I'm about to tell you. Verse 7, now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together in Mizpah, and that the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. Now, here's what I want to point out to you. It's the test. I just have one point to make here. The validity of the return will always be tested. The validity of the return will always be tested. So here you are, you're in your heart, you're saying, yes, I want jesus in my life again like he used to be i i have this void in my life and i'm sensing i'm sensing the fact that i need to have the lord and so you follow these steps you get your you you return to him you get your heart right with him you confess to him You get rid of your gods, whatever they may be in your life. And you're like, yes, Lord, I'm following after you. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, it happens every time for every person who ever wants to get their heart right with the Lord. You will be tested. The enemy will come against you to see if you're really serious or not. And he'll throw whatever he can at you to get you back. Where you were just in the place of longing for Him rather than walking with Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Think about it. Think about every time that you want God to be so real in your life and you decide that you want to do something. Isn't that about the same time that everything breaks loose in your life? Isn't that about the time when stuff breaks loose in your life again? And you gotta think, okay, wait a minute now. I gotta think, use my brain power. I gotta use my wallet power. I gotta use my own strength to get me through this. What are we doing there? We're relying on our gods again, right? But what we need to do is what Israel did. God, I need you to help me through this problem right now. I wanna return to you, Lord. When you turn to Him and you let Him answer the test in your life, it's amazing what God can do. Because all of a sudden He shows back up in your life again. The presence is there again.
0: Isn't that amazing? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. this coming week.